Today is uh, Bhadia's last day before he goes for three months to Sri Lanka. So I should let you do the talk, right? (laughs) Uh, He did the talk on Wednesday night, and it was lovely, of course, so we'll miss him. And I'll miss him especially, I think, because we do so many things together. We do the chanting together and the sutta study together. And he's a, he's a wonderful son, and he's gonna he's going to be able to see his mom for three months after three years. Yeah, so I'm really happy for him. So that's sympathetic joy. <laughs> Mutual joy, that's feeling joy. You can feel joy for the, when others experience joy, you feel their joy. Instead of feeling sad, I'm feeling a mutual joy. So that's a little bit sad, but, you know, it's just that's just temporary. Um, I wanted to talk today about more about the Brahma Vihadas, or those sublime states of abiding in certain uh, de- developed emotional qualities that that are taught as being the highest qualities that we can that we can uh, learn and develop within ourselves. And when we do, we're we're really dwelling. Uh, the the expression is sometimes used, dwelling in the like the house, the homes of the gods, because they're the highest emotional states. So. I've been interested in them for a while, just on my personal search for ways to work with uh, negative emotions. And then we had Bhante Samahita, who lives in Sri Lanka, but is Danish, was here a few months ago. And one of his, the topic he talked about here was about those same states. So that was, I thought that was, very special for my own practice. And, and I'm finding them coming up in different ways and learning, uh, kind of widening my own ways to work with developing these qualities and how we can work with them. So we can use them in our meditation and we can use them exact, loving kindness is the first one that we talk about, uh, metta. So it's the first of the four. And the way we practice it in our meditation, we, we always begin with loving kindness. We can practice all four of the Brahma Vihadas uh, the same way. We develop the quality within ourselves. So we always start with ourselves and we feel it for ourselves and then we extend it out. And so we do, and the way we do that with metta is we develop that friendship, that kindness towards ourselves, unconditional. And then we, we understand how that feels and we, we can see the value in just, uh, sending it out to others. And what that does for us whenever we practice that way, it's really purifying our own minds. It's letting, it's letting us just drop the, the unkind feelings we have towards ourselves and our conditions that we, limit ourselves with, and it allows us to uh, purify ourselves that way. And then everything that comes out of us becomes more pure and more wholesome and more skillful. 
And so with the Brahma Viharas, we work the same way. So the first one is metta, loving kindness. And if you if you practice the meditation that we do here, you know how to do it. You know how to send it out. When we radiate it out from ourselves, we aren't trying to fix anybody else. It, that's not the purpose of it. It's just making us, uh, it's transforming us. So we become that quality. And so it naturally radiates out from us. And Bhante Samahita talked about how important it is that we allow it to extend out to infinity. We don't stop it anywhere. We can't, once we, and, and you'll find, like once you begin practicing loving kindness, it gets harder and harder to stop it. Say, you get to that difficult person, and you can't say, well, I'm sending loving kindness to everybody but that difficult person. And that's the magic of it, right? Because you, you eventually see that you, you can't stop it. That if you're really transforming yourself, if you're really purifying your own mind, that it begins to be, it just is how you are. You, you can't think of not sending it to, to all, you end up, of course, sending it to all living beings, all living things. And it just becomes your natural way to, to work with these, with these profound, uh, spirit, their spiritual qualities, their, their emotional qualities, their, their qualities that we can develop in any spiritual tradition, I think. And we can develop them in secular, in the secular world. So the, it's, it's the development of that quality for ourselves and then sending it out. We can't keep it. We can't, we stifle it, right? We're not transforming our own minds if we just keep it for ourselves. The second quality is compassion or karuna. And so we often do, we often include that with loving kindness. So we're all familiar with working with that. But where we are, feeling that tug of our heart that we feel when we really feel compassion we are we're feeling another person's suffering or pain we feel it like a tug on our heart sometimes we can only witness it and sometimes we can uh if we're if our minds are really clear we can we can find a way to help alleviate that suffering but we want to do it in the best possible way but we, we experience it with that person. So that's the third one. We develop it towards ourselves. We develop compassion for our own suffering, for our own troubled heart. And once we do that, we're able to extend it out to others. The third one is mutual joy or sympathetic joy. And that's, uh, oop, that's, uh, I know these, but I'm not. That's uh, Mudita. Yeah, one of the teachers is uh, Bhante Mudita. So Mudita is that that uh, mutual joy, that joy for others, uh, and never never feeling that if we have joy for others, that we don't have joy for ourselves. And that's why that one's very important. We experience it for ourselves first. We learn that there's joy in our lives. And we began to practice whenever we can experience joy to really see it and feel it and, and hold it close. And then we, then we, we can offer it to others.
because we're not losing out on anything. We recognize joy, and then we we wish it, we wish it for others, and we can we can find joy in their joy. That's the the beauty of it. And then the fourth one is upeka, and that's equanimity, which is sometimes we think of it as balance. Uh, I heard a good definition for it recently, and it was imperturbability. If you wrap my my mouth can barely say it, so we know if we're perturbed, right? We're disturbed. We're 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 bothered by things. So if if it's if we're imperturbable, we aren't. Things don't don't uh, shake us up. We're able to find that balance right away. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen and that there isn't suffering, uh, that there, that we don't feel compassion, but it means that we know how to get into balance very quickly. Because if we're perturbed all the time, we're not really, we're not doing any good for anyone. So we're not fixing anything. We're not, uh, helping anyone. We're just, we're just agitated. And so equanimity is, is that ability to find that middle path. And it's also being in the moment. So right now, what can we do? And in, in any situation, all that we can do right at the moment is to be, is to be balanced, is to be at peace. So in the worst, in the worst situation, who do you look for in your own life? If when you're the most perturbed, who do you look for? You look for the person who's the most balanced and the most that you can feel their peace. And that's the person you want to go to. That's the person you want to help you in that situation. And so when we work with equanimity, we're learning how to become that person. And then we're, we're also then wanting it and sending it out, sending out that quality to others. So that's one way we can work with those qualities, is to just practice them the same way we do metta. We, we develop it within ourselves, we feel it for ourselves, and then we gradually are sending it out to others. We never go and check up with them and see if they got it, <laughs> if they learned it, because that's not the purpose. It's, it's us getting it, and then it will happen. And then that's the quality that you that you abide in, you're abiding in those four. When you finish all, when you get to where you've mastered and, and have attained those four qualities, that's the entire path. And then you just can live in that. So it's not like we can do it overnight. So, but I found that those, when I can, when I can practice with those four qualities, it does help with a lot of negative emotions. It helps with, uh, Seeing monks leave or even go on very long trips, you know, that those, those things are disturbing emotions for me too, because uh, I'm, I get attached. <laughs> I confess. So in thinking about this topic, I had some, something else came up me. Carol, is Carol Chrome here? Yeah. Okay. So she came, she went to India. So, and I want her to, talk one day and share some things from that trip with the whole group. But 
uh, right bef- she was telling me about it, and it sounded like I, that's one of my dreams is to go to India someday before I'm too old to go. Um, so I told her I had two books because I love to read people's uh, stories about their pilgrimages to India. So I have one. It's called A Pilgrim's Companion. And uh, I was talking to Bhante Bhatia this morning, and I said, I think the people who wrote this book were connected. It's, they live in, they're uh, Japanese-American, I think, but they live in Sri Lanka and live there a long time. I'm not sure if they do now. But their book, uh, they, they have taken the Jataka tales, the stories, the fables that the Buddha talks about, They've taken those and illustrated them, and they have big, beautiful books, which I read in Sri Lanka. They, where I was staying at the temple, had some of their books. But I said, I think they're connected to your temple some way, and I don't remember. And he remembered that they, they taught English to the monks there when they were living in Sri Lanka. Do they ever teach you? So, so I don't know them personally, but I, I love this book. And I had another book that was written by a woman named Shwarna, who's a, a Sri Lankan woman who lives in Chicago. And some of you who have been at the temple a long time probably remember her. And she wrote a book that was about her pilgrimage, and she's been to India several times. And one of those trips, she wrote a book about her pilgrimage. And it's very different. It's It tells about, you know, the difficulties and the the good things, but she, every place they visit, she talks about, uh, she has a deep, she's a scholar, so she has a really deep knowledge of the teachings of the Buddha, and she could talk to her group. Some were relatives and some were uh, other people that she knew, either from Sri Lanka, family members or friends from other parts of the world, and they had a guide. But she could tell them the suttas that the Buddha taught at particular places, and she brought a lot to the trip. So she wrote a book about it, and I love that book. So I loaned them to Carol just before her trip. I just said, I don't, you don't even have to take these, because I knew she probably didn't want more stuff to have to, to take along with her. But I said, they're wonderful, and they're about pilgrimages. So when she returned them to me, because you just it was just last week, wasn't it? Um, I, it was so precious. I mean, if, if she'd lost them, I'd have been fine with it. But she returned them, and I felt like my books had been to India. <laughs> so it gave me a lot of confidence that if the books have been, that I'm going to get there. And they just felt more special to me because, and I, I kind of hoped there'd be maybe some stains on them or the pages <laughs> would be bent. <laughs> but they're perf- in perfectly good shape. But, it was really special that and that she she had occasions to use them and they were really helpful on her tour but she can talk to you more about that but i was looking through them uh when i i took this one with me when i was in florida but i found there was one of their reflections from their their own uh pilgrimage this is ken and Wisaka Kawasaki are the two people who are both writers and illustrators. But they have one on the divine abidings. And they talk about metta. And I wanted to uh, just read some from these because they're, they, they have two different selections and they're, they're writing about the, 
them with different words than I necessarily would always use. And so if you hear them uh, talked about differently, I think it helps even expand the meaning of them. So it's day nine on their trip. It's their reflection. Metta, may I be free from sorrow and always be happy. May those who desire my welfare, those who are indifferent towards me, and those who hate me also be happy. May all beings who live in this vicinity and those who live in other kingdoms in this world system be happy. May all beings living in every world system and each element of life within such a system be happy and achieve the highest bliss. Likewise, women, men, the noble and ignoble ones, Dewas, which are those little gods, humans, those in woeful states and those living in the ten directions, may all those beings be happy. And for compassion or karuna, may all those who are in pain, in trouble, facing hardship and suffering find relief. May their troubles be over. May they find happiness. Mudita is that mutual joy. May all those who are well, successful, healthy, and prosperous maintain themselves happily. And Upeka is equanimity. All beings are the owners of their kama, heirs of their kama, born of their kama, related to their kama, and abide supporting by their and abide supported by their kama. Kama means action. Whatever kama they do, for good or for evil, to that they will be the heir. So that's a a really different way of talking about equanimity because kama, those are the actions that we perform and our thoughts. And so in our Buddhist teachings, we're taught that everything is about cause and effect. So everything that we've done or, or said is eventually will be balanced out. Uh, and if we don't know when, it's going to be balanced. It, we have no idea. So it's a, a good reason to kind of watch our what we say and what we think and what we do. But it's just, uh, it helps us be in that balanced state because if we're going through something difficult, chances are it's part of that cause and effect. Some things are not, but we know that we know that everything finds, our lives are finding that natural balance. And part of it is, if things are bad now, maybe there was a, another time when things were very good, or there were times when there was something that we did, or actions that we took that we have no even idea of that's, that are being balanced out. So... It's good to remember that when we feel like we're in that very perturbable, uh, restless state, to think about that. And there was another one, and this is, a, this is from the Majjhima Nikaya, the Middle Link Discourses of the Buddha. And this is advice he gave to his, his, little, his son, Rahula. Develop the meditation on loving-kindness, for by so doing, hatred will be got rid of. Develop the meditation on compassion, for by so doing, 
cruelty will be got rid of. Develop the meditation on sympathetic joy, for by so doing, discontent will be got rid of. Develop the meditation on equanimity, for so by doing, all aversion will be got rid of. Develop the meditation on the impure, for by so doing, attachment will be got rid of. Develop the meditation on the perception of impermanence, for by so doing, the conceit I am will be got rid of. So I love those. So they're talking more about developing those meditations. We, we get rid of the opposite qualities of them. And, there, and added the ones on developing the meditation on the impure, that's how we rid our uh, attachment. So, tip, you know, the, the classical one is, is meditating on uh, a, a dead body. We don't do that a lot <clears throat> in this culture. I remember when I was in Sri Lanka, it, every temple that I went to in the monastery where I was had a, a, a human skeleton hanging in a glass, a glass case. And at first I, I thought, you know, I don't, I was kind of not sure about this. And then I thought, oh, well, I'm sure then they're just, maybe they have a class where they're learning anatomy and they need to, <laughs> they need to have, a, you know, they have, they're tested on all the bones in the body. And then I realized that those those are there so you can meditate on impermanence. So they don't they don't have like rotting corpses in the temples, but <laughs> but in the Buddha's day they could do that. They could go sit in the charnel grounds and they could actually there were a lot of rotting bodies laying around, I guess. And they could go and actually sit and their meditation would be, okay, here's some here's someone, maybe a relative. And someday that and that's that's your relative and that's you in the future and that's all life. And so and that's that's uh that's meditating on the impure. So we see that the those stages of decomposition. And uh when you meditate on the skeleton in the temples, you basically, you know, this is me in the future. This is everyone I love in the future. This is everyone I've Known in the past, who's gone now? This is this is them, and you and you just—it's not morbid. It's it's really practicing impermanence. It's practicing. This is what impermanence means, and this is why when you when you measure when you meditate on that, um, it says attachment is got rid of. So that's attachment to our own bodies. It's a, it's attachment. But I think it's also, um, it, to, for me, it's also letting go of, like, it's letting go of things that aren't very important. Because what's important are the, are our friendships, are the things that we do in the moment, and, uh, the, the things that we know are impermanent, but that we love to just be in the moment with those things, then let them go. If it's if you're eating a delicious piece of chocolate, you know, it's eat that piece of chocolate you have and then enjoy it, but then be done with it. Like don't keep thinking about when when do I get the next piece of chocolate? <laughs> and we should do that with the people we love, right? 
uh, here's this person I love, here's this good, good friend, here's this, here's this monk that I feel attached to, and, you know, I'll, I spend time with him when I'm with him, and when he's not here, you know, that's okay too. And having mutual, if I meditate on that mutual joy, I'm just happy thinking of how happy he is being with, with his mom and being back in Sri Lanka. So the uh, meditation on the perception of impermanence is also just thinking about uh, the impermanence of everything in our lives, and, and it helps us let go of our, of our egos, of that thing that we have identified as, as uh, I. It, let, it helps us let go of that, uh, you know, that we are our viewpoints, we are our thoughts, we are our uh, fashion look, we are our jobs, we are our, you know, our, are we a, 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 we are our identity in the community. You know, we, we let go of that because all those things are impermanent. And the more we do, the more liberated we become, the freer we become. And we, you can see it even with our political ideologies. Like the harder we cling to what, what we, what we want the world to be like, the harder the world is for us. Because we can, if we just cling to those ideas, that's not changing anything again, but it can make us very unhappy with the way the world is. We can't find joy. We can't we can't find acceptance and we can't find loving kindness we can't find mutual joy so we need to we need to loosen our grip on everything and i think our whole path is like uh going from this clenched fist of holding on and holding on to who i am and what's important and what i stand for and uh keeping everything shipshape and you know, never, everything's going to stay just like it is. Our whole spiritual journey is just learning to let go and to hold it very loosely. And, and that we have, we, it's important if we start with ourselves, holding ourselves loosely, that we can allow other people to, you know, be who they are. But these are meditations. These are things, qualities that we can just be with. Even if you spend, Say you're able to spend 10 minutes a day. You can spend that 10 minutes just before you begin your meditation. Think about that quality. And that quality, the same way if you've taken the uh, Brahma Vihadas, um, I mean the, uh, the uh, Bodhisattva vows, the 10 perfections, you can work with those qualities just by setting your intention to be an awareness of that quality in your life maybe for the day. Just let, or that quality might be something that you want to study about, and um, and you might want to read something about it, or you might have a quote or uh, something that embodies that quality for you, and that can just be sitting on your wherever you sit, just to, as a reminder. But these, the four Brahma Vihadas and these other qualities like impermanence, uh, it's and. Those are things that you can just set as your intention and let your meditation just have that as your, you know, you might, you might start to see thoughts that just kind of come up and you don't want to hang on to them and start, uh, 
thinking, 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 but things will kind of rise up in your mind. So as you sit quietly, if you're working with, uh, say, aversion in yourself, then you can, sometimes the, the right thoughts will just kind of plop down and you can just be with them, look, investigate them, look at them without getting into a mental discourse about it. You know, you have to look at it a different way. There might be a feeling quality with it, or there might be, uh, if, the, if that something just drops down for you to look at, it might just be an emotional quality or a feeling quality, or you, you can just look at it without engaging in more thoughts about it. But you might have some insight into it. But you don't have to have... Uh, you can work with it also the way I was saying, the way we do with loving loving kindness. So you're more creating some words to go with it the way we do in a guided meditation. But use your quiet time with yourself to uh, develop those qualities. And they, they'll only do good things for you. So they, they won't do any harm. So they're harmless and they're wholesome and they're skillful. And just... Don't try to become enlightened in a year because we'd miss you. <laughs> you know, the rest of us are going to take a lot longer. But um, you, there are certainly qualities that we can move closer to all the time and, and, and it will make your life be happier and more peaceful. And this world also needs people like that. So you will be, whether you like it or not, you'll become more of a beacon because that you have that peace and you have those qualities in you more and more that's what everybody's that's what we're all looking for so we that's why we want to have noble friends and surround ourselves with noble friends because they help us make it through this world so thank you everybody <laughs>